Good to see you guys. Thank you guys for leading us this morning. Um, so we've been talking through gospel family mission. Um, we're going to continue talking about mission today. Um, grateful for that. Thank you so much. And um, we also um, uh, have been talking about uh, obviously the gospel, uh, the truth about Jesus, uh, that that's, you know, primo, most important thing that we want uh, people to know. I, the great, the, one of the greatest uh, compliments that I think I ever have gotten as a pastor is that uh, folks will tell me sometimes, they'll say, you know, I, I, I love that knowing that uh, at any time, thank you, uh, that at any time that we come to church, we're going to hear the gospel. Um, and, and that is on purpose. That is not by accident that we just accidentally talk about Jesus and the cross and his death and resurrection and all those things every week. Uh, because that is the most important thing uh, to the whole thing. Um, but uh, uh, we've been talking about gospel, we've been talking about family, what it looks like for us to be a family together, a church family, there for one another, lifting each other up, uh, sharing uh, what we have to those uh, who need it, and uh, coming behind one another, praying for one another, ministering to one another, all those things, serving together, encouraging one another. Um, you know, I, I love that, and I love that, I love that that is real in our church. We uh, we got to spend uh, this weekend, almost uh, right around 100 people joined us for a retreat out at Montgomery Bell, uh, and it was an amazing time together, less than 24 hours, which is kind of crazy uh, to think about it when you think about it that way, but uh, we got to get together, hear the word, uh, talk about union in Christ, Colossians 3, a friend of ours, Scott Patty, did that for us this weekend, did a great job, and uh, you know, one of the things that um, I just kept thinking about throughout the weekend is just how special it is what we have as a church. Um, and I don't think, uh, you know, I, I was actually laying in bed last night thinking, I think that we probably take for granted uh, what the Lord has blessed us with in 24 Church and the body of believers that are here and all these people. And so, uh, you know, this morning, uh, as we kind of continue on in this talk about mission, uh, you know, I, I want to encourage you, you know, if you not a part of a family, if you're not clear on the gospel, come talk to us about that stuff. Let us help you with that stuff. Right after I get done on the stage here, I'll be in the foyer. I'd love to talk with you, pray with you about what it means to know Jesus as your Savior. Uh, you know, if you need to talk about what it means to be a part of a church family, glad to talk about that too. Um, real quick, shameless plug, because it's happening this week for the first time. Uh, we have uh, what we're calling uh, men, the men's BS at the shop, Bible study at the shop. <laughs> Bible study at the shop starts this Tuesday, 630. Uh, there, is, uh, there is a way that you can register. I'm encouraging you if you're coming, please come. We'd love to have you, but please register because we're, we're going to try to have some food uh, because the boys like to eat, Okay. And so, uh, you know, and there's nothing more manly than getting to eat in a shop, you know, and have Bible study, right? So uh, we're doing all those 6.30 this week. Would love to have you get on the app or the, the website or whatever you got to do and, and register so we know how many people to get food for. Um, let's jump into this. Uh, we've been talking about mission for several weeks. We've talked about church planning. We've talked about uh, local missions. We're going to be talking about uh, some crazy, awesome mission stuff next week. Uh, excited about that, too. Uh, going to be rolling out uh, a potential opportunity for our folks to be involved in and some different things. But 
Um, anyway, we've been talking about all these aspects of how God has led us in mission. One of the things that you know I, I started praying about years ago was that uh, I, I just came to this realization that God had brought this like really uh, interesting group of people together to be a part of this church <laughs> uh, is a good way to put it. Uh, but no, for real, like uh, just uh, I, I've looked around and I, and I still feel this way, like. God, why did you bring, and this is the question I started asking God, I says, God, why did you bring these people together? There's so many talented people, so many entrepreneurs, so many uh, j- just different, and so many different walks of life, and I love that. Um, and so I started praying and asking God, God, what are you, what are you wanting us to do? Uh, what are you leading us to do? And I, I started having this conversation with our sheriff at the time, you know, what can we do for the community? And different things, and, and many of you have heard that if you've been around. We've got a lot of people that haven't been around, so I know you, some of you haven't heard, uh, but long story short, just really uh, out of a lot of crazy things, including a dream, uh, we, we came to this realization that God was leading us uh, as a church to be a part of, of doing several things, uh, to be on mission in this community that we're called to be missionaries in. And looking at the needs in this community led us to some of those things. We're going to talk about one of those things specifically today, but I want to share this passage with you out of Matthew 25 first, uh, if we can do that. Let's look at that together real quick. Uh, if you've got a Bible, get it out, Matthew 25. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers will bring you one, and if you don't own a Bible, you can keep that one and consider it yours. We'd love for you to take it and uh, have it as a gift uh, and uh, let the Lord speak to you through it. We want you, to, we want you to be able to have a copy of God's Word. But uh, uh, Matthew 25, and in Matthew 25... Uh, if you go to verse 31, we have this passage, and interestingly enough, this passage is coming off of the passage where Jesus is talking through the parable of the talents. You remember the talents? You got the, you got the, the three guys, and they each got you know, a different amount of something you know, uh, to, to invest, right? One got one, one got three, one got five, you know, and they, you know, a couple of them, they invested their talents, you know, and that ta- talent at that point is talking about money, you know, they invested their talents and, you know, reaped a, reaped a uh, you know, uh, a payoff, you know, that they got back more than what they had put in, then one buried his in the sand, you know, kind of thing. I think it's interesting that Jesus tells that story of that parable of the talents right before he talks through this passage right here. Because this is a passage that I think is probably, we like the sound of it, but the truth is, is that it brings with it some hard pieces for us when it comes to our call to people that God has placed in our lives and placed around us. Because some, some people, when you're ministering to some people, it takes extra work, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and, some, and some people are just hard, hard to minister to, right? And some people, you don't know what to do when you're called to minister to them. And I, I know I've been there. I want to talk through this passage. Let's, let's read through this passage real quick. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 31. And Jesus says this, and he's, he's speaking to the disciples. He says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed 
by my Father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And here we go. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when, we, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. This passage brings to light for us the fact that God calls us to people that are struggling, people that are in hard places, people that honestly... If we're being real honest, we don't know how to minister to sometimes. We don't know what we can do for them. I've spent a little time uh, even on the retreat talking with one of our folks and just saying, you know, they were asking me about a situation, saying, what can I do in this situation? I said, be there. Just be there. Sometimes that's all you can do is be there. The problem is that even being there takes effort. Just being there takes time, right? And for us as a people that are so busy and have so many things going on at times, I think that oftentimes we miss ministering to the least of these. People that maybe are struggling with something that we don't struggle with or uh, have a, a problem with something that we don't have a problem with or uh, you know, just seem hard to deal with. Anybody got any hard to deal with people in your life? Anybody? Bunch of liars. Fun. Jesus knows your heart. I love the disciples' response here, you know. And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? And when did we see you hungry? And when did we see you sick or in prison and all these things? And Jesus answered, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. When we serve others in need, we are directly serving Jesus. It's as much worship as as singing your favorite song at the top of your lungs to God, letting him know your heart. It's as much worship as anything we will ever do. Getting to serve others is this amazing thing. It's this amazing process where God uses us, you know, and, and, I, and I think to keep in mind, it's not up to us and what we can do. It's not even up to us and our talents or our entrepreneurial spirits, or whatever it may be. It's not up to that. It's up to God working through us. But we have to be willing. And we know for a fact that he loves to work in our weaknesses. So one of the things that we felt led to as a church some years ago now, uh, and, and just to be honest with you, as the pastor leading the church in this, uh, I felt overwhelmed by was trying to help folks with addiction. Uh, we had, uh, out of some of those conversations with our sheriff uh, and different things, uh, we, we, just, we knew, we had a clue that 
you know, there's a lot of folks in our area uh, really struggling with addiction. And, uh, you know, uh, I've done four funerals for people that have been a part of this church who died from overdose. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't look like one thing. And as the conversation has continued, one of the things that I even learned this week from our newest sheriff was that our county is the number one county for overdoses in the state of Tennessee for the last two years. This is our mission field. And so what we said is we said, you know what, this is a, this is a thing, this is going on, this is a part of our mission field. The Lord is leading us to be a part of ministering to folks that are struggling in those ways. How do we do that? What does that look like for us? And we said, we don't know. We don't have a clue. And honestly, there were a few things. We'll talk about some of those others another time. But out of those things, this was the one thing that I really honestly thought, man, this is going to be the hardest one to figure out. This is going to be the one I just, you know. And then the Lord brought into our life meeting up with some folks from a ministry called the Hope Center. And as we gathered with them one day just to talk and hear about what they do, uh, the lights went off and, and it was like God was just showing us, this is what you're supposed to be a part of. This is what you're supposed to be doing. This is a way in which we can get our feet wet. A lot of, I know a lot of people probably think, you know, it's weird that this church, you know, is so into, you know, wanting to be a part of this or do this or whatever. And, and I just got to tell you, this goes back to the very beginning of when we started this church and we said to the people that were going to be a part of this church, you know, if you feel led to be a missionary to the community you live in, that's what this is about. Come be a part of this and may we be missionaries to the people around us. <clears throat> this whole thing really came to a head for me personally amidst the conversations with the sheriff years ago, one Christmas morning uh, was a Sunday, which is very strange uh, because uh, when Christmas falls on a Sunday for 24, we usually do uh, Christmas Eve service only and then, you know, allow folks to be with their families on that Sunday morning. Uh, and, man, it's been awesome to do that. But this, this particular year, several years back, was a Christmas morning. I get a phone call. And, uh, and oddly enough, there was a fire in my neighborhood, and, and uh, somebody from the sheriff's department calls and says, uh, we need a chaplain on a scene. And I, I'm, watching, I'm watching the smoke from this house that's burning in my neighborhood on Christmas morning out my kitchen window. And I thought, okay. And I said, yeah, I'm, I think I'm looking at the situation right now, and I, I, can, I can run right over there. It's in my neighborhood. And they said, okay, well, where do you live? I said, well, I'm right here on, you know, Bear Wallow and yada, yada. And long story short, we figured out that's not even what they were calling about. We did get to go minister to those people that day, but they were calling about something else. And I get to a scene on Christmas morning and find this little boy who's by himself and his father had overdosed in the night. And he had nobody. And he's just there. And I didn't know what to say. And I kept telling myself, I've got to show this young man that there's hope in Jesus. Never met this kid in my life, you know? He's dealing with this. 
trying to throw something like that, again, sometimes all you can do is be there. And I walked away from that whole thing going, we can't ignore what's going on in our community. We have to do something. Um, We have already been working with the Hope Center, as many of you know, uh, to prepare for us to start a sober living house here in Cheatham County. And we are on the cusp of that right now. For those of you that are new to 24, we have raised $200,000 to put toward making this happen to show we're serious about this. We're not just playing. <laughs> we're, we're on board. We want to minister to these folks. We want them to be a part of our church family as they're in the program themselves. And we're excited about all that. A um, few of our guys have already been even counseling, leading Bible study time with some of these guys at a local Hope Center, kind of getting ready for when ours starts, that they will, of course, move over there. Uh, I've got, we've got a video of that. I, I'd love to share that with you right now and let you see just a little bit and, and from their lips kind of what that's been like for them to get to be a part of that. I've been going to the Hope Center in Springfield for about seven or eight months now, I guess about June of last year counseling the guys. Most of them are from very unfortunate situations. They were dealt a really rough hand from the very beginning. They were born with par- to parents that were addicted to drugs. The parents gave them their first drugs when they were like a kid. Many of them are searching and don't know what they're searching for, they seem. You know, that's why they get lost where they're at. You know, they're usually coming off a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol and just a lot of not good stuff. The Hope Center, for me personally, having gone through recovery myself in the past and being sober a number of years now, really hits close to home for me. I come alongside young men as somebody that has been through it. I will go in and tell my story to them. Share my life and my story so that they can see that somebody who's made poor decisions doesn't have to end up dead or in jail. I'm nobody special. I've messed up in my life too. I found a way out. Somebody helped me and that's all I'm there to try and do is to help pass the word, the good word to someone else. To come alongside them and, and become, become family. A lot of them don't have that and it means the world to them and just somebody be their friend and be there for them. Really love on them and give them hope. Most of them not used to that. They're not used to Christianity at all. A lot of them have never, believe it or not, heard the good news yet still. To share that with them and study scripture with them and pray with them as well as pray over them. I mean, and to see the light come on in one's eyes finally, there's just no greater blessing than that for me, you know. It's a blessing to me and for my walk. It, It fills my heart. It's just so comforting to be able to know that I can give back and be blessed to see people grow in Christ like these guys do. These guys can find Christ and they have it all. They wanted it and they just needed the help, the hand to get through. So if we can be that helping hand, then I feel like that's what we're called to do. I I think it's amazing that that this has been a vision of Chris and and y'all for a long time. There wouldn't be enough adjective to describe how how I personally feel about 
the 24 church having this as a mission. A Hope Center coming to Pleasant View, like 24 church sponsoring a Hope Center is huge. That's what churches are supposed to be doing. These guys' lives, they, they change. Boy, if I, had, if, I had a, if I had a prayer, it would be that 100% of the men that go through that would come out on the other side having a, a really great vertical relationship with, with Jesus Christ and be able to go out every day knowing that He's their Lord and Savior and that everything he, that they do and they say is to glorify Him, that they can have a life that is full and happy and sober blessed with a lot of friends and love so yeah that that would be a that'd be a dream awesome stuff um that's uh cam mike and david if you don't know those guys they're all three knuckleheads um that uh, uh the lord uses for his glory and i'm so grateful for those guys um, and there's and there's many others. There's they're not the only three that have been doing this. Uh, Jerry shot video. Thank you, Jerry, for doing that. Uh, we just we just kind of picked a random three and said, hey, here's three guys we know have been a part of this. Let's let's hear from them. Let's hear what it's been like for them. Um, I want to introduce to you Stephen Palk. Um, Stephen, uh, I don't know what Stephen's actual title. What is your actual title with the Hope Center? Just director. Just director. But it's like director over like all the Hope Centers in Tennessee and yada, yada, yada. It's, yeah. So Stephen helps start Hope Centers like all over the place. Uh, they've, they've in the past been sending him all over, and he spent a lot of time, uh, you know, jet-setting around to uh, help start new Hope Centers. Um, and, uh, but uh, here's, here's one of the real blessings. You know, we met Stephen, uh, and, and Stephen and, and one of the other folks from the Hope Center came and shared with us one, one day for a staff meeting, you know, to hear, you know, the kind of ministry that they're doing. Once we heard, you know, them share, you know, we all just kind of like looked at each other and we we're like, this is it. Like we, we didn't, we made eyes at each other and like we didn't have to talk. We just knew like this is, this is what we've been looking for. This is what we've been praying about. Uh, again, because, you know, we were dumbfounded with like how are, how are we supposed to help folks, you know, with, with, these, with these kinds of struggles and so, uh, anyway, uh, not only did he come share that day, but since then we've become good friends. And uh, Stephen and his family now attend 24. Uh, and Stephen will be over the Hope Center that uh, that we have here uh, in Cheatham. Um, and uh, I, let me let me let Stephen just kind of share just a little bit about t- just tell for somebody that's just kind of joining in the conversation here. Uh, what uh, tell us just a little bit about the Hope Center. Yeah, so um, Hope Center is a three-phase program. My name is Stephen Polk, uh, director of Hope Center. Uh, but it's a three-phase program. We have first phase, second phase, third phase. First phase is 30 days. That's intense Bible studies. That's groups every single day. That is getting the, at the heart of that addiction was a sin. We all got a sin problem, right? So we spend that first 30 days with these men, training them to be disciples of Jesus Christ, getting all that junk out of them, teaching them who Jesus is and building that relationship with them. And then they go into the second phase of the program, which is called uh, vocational training. That's where we partner with people in the community, different factories and things like that. So here in Pleasant View, National City, we're partnering with A.O. Smith. So if you guys know anybody that's at A.O. Smith, hey, give them a big high five and a hug. That's a huge deal for us. Uh, But these guys, they will go and train at this factory setting. Uh, They'll be there for 40 weeks. And in that 40 weeks' time, 
they learn how to do this job. They get a career path set. Once they hit third phase, that's when they get that job hired on full-time, insurance, benefits, uh, all the money earned there, they keep, they put in their pocket. So by the time they graduate the program, they can pay off their fines, they can buy a car, they can uh, pay anything that they've got going on, uh, get rent for an apartment. So that's kind of how the program sums up in those three phases. Yeah. Um, I think it's amazing. Uh, I think it's amazing how it's laid out uh, in helping these guys not just overcome addiction, uh, number one, but to trust in Jesus, that it's 100% gospel-centered in everything you guys do, like in such a way that's really amazing to me. Uh, and that, you know, on the back side of this thing, that the goal is, you know, helping, helping these guys to, to be able to live life outside of, you know, the Hope Center. Once they get out, that they, you know, they can keep that job. They can, you know, or they can go get another job if they really want to. But, you know, that they're used to working and that they've, they've already started, you know, toward doing something to get them on their feet. Yeah, we build a, a full community around these men. Like the, the, the people that will be coming into the program here in Ashland City, Cheatham County, they already live here. They're from here. You know, everybody we're trying to help, you know, I'll tell you this, you know, when I hear that, that uh, statistic of we've been number one and number two the last few years in drug overdose deaths, guys, I live here in this community. My kids go to school here. It's not something I'm okay with. It's something I'm going to fight. I'm not going to bury my head in the sand and act like this doesn't exist. This does exist. And it's going to affect our schools, our kids, our neighbors. And I promise you this, we're going to fight this thing to the end of time. Uh, the only way any of these guys are going to die and go to hell is over my dead body. I am not going to get out of the way. I'm always going to fight. I am going to fight till the day, me and my wife both. It is, it is something God called us to do, something we're passionate about, and it's something we're going to fight till the very end, every single day. Everybody out there struggling, we're coming after them, and we're going to make sure that they know there's a home here in this county where they can get help, where their families can get help, because it's not just about that one resident. It's about his whole family. We're after every single one of them, the kids, the wives, the moms, the dads, all of them. Our program is set up and designed that where we can get the gospel to every one of them. If we have a resident come into our program and his family want to see him, they got to come to church to see him. That way, not only the resident's getting the gospel, but so is the family. So are the kids. So is everybody in the family unit. We want them all. We're, all, we're going to get the gospel to every single one of them. Like I said, you know, the only way any of these people are going to tell is over my dead body. And we're going to make sure that if there's somebody struggling, we're going after them with everything we got. You don't, yeah, come on with that. <laughs> I see JR down here. <laughs> you don't get in the way of somebody that's been called to do something and is sold out to do it. You don't. Uh, you know, I, I remember years ago I had a pastor look at me and say, uh, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you start churches? And they said, I said, well, you got to have the guy. And they said, what do you mean? I said, you got to have the guy that's called to, it's going to die on the hill for it, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. And, and, and you're that guy for this. That's, that's the way I see this. Uh, I know, I know, I, I know all of our staff feel just tremendously blessed to get to work alongside of you in this. Um, and I, I'm glad you mentioned every Hope Center has a sponsoring church. You won't start a Hope Center without a sponsoring church, right? Right. We, we don't open a, Every Hope Center has a church. Every one of these guys have a church they belong to. Uh, we don't church hop. We, this, is, this is where we're going to church. This is where their families are coming. This is our home. Yeah. You're our pastor. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Sometimes the Lord's just got a sense of humor, you know. 
Um, the Hope Center is one of the fastest growing nonprofits in America right now. It is the largest in-house recovery program in America right now. How many Hope Centers are we up to at this point? Uh, we have 52 locations across the United States and the United Kingdom. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. So, you know, in saying that, you know, this is not a, a fly-by-night operation. We've been in operation since 2007. That's when we opened our first location in Waverly, Tennessee. And uh, our success rate, we're averaging 68 70% success among our graduates. You know, secular treatment centers, they brag about one out of ten, where we're keeping about six or seven out of ten sober. Uh, the way we're able to track that is because all these guys, they, they start out at this church and in this community. We build a Celebrate Recovery program for them, a church that they belong to, life groups they belong to, a Hope Center they belong to. So they've always got that. They've got that foundation built right here in the community where they always know to turn. Like if there's a slip-up or anything, they know first thing, hey, I'm going back to talk to Chris, or I'm going back over here to the Hope Center. They know they have that community and that support built for them right here. Yeah. Do you mind telling just a little bit about how you got involved in the Hope Center? Yes. So in... Uh, growing up, we grew up in Waverly, Tennessee. This guy back here, Michael Himes, a guy named Josh Hanna and Carson Plant. We were rough kids. I mean, we were rough. This was, you know, this was in the 90s, so y'all can imagine. Uh, but Josh was always a little bit different. Um, he's the founder of Hope Center Ministries. He's our pastor, Compassion Network. Uh, but, you know, when we were little, this is before cell phones and all that stuff, so we just had to use house phones. Our church, little bitty church in Hutzburg, Tennessee, uh, we'd go in there, we'd sneak in there at night, we'd eat all the communion bread drunk, and uh, we'd use the phone to call girls. We'd feel guilty, we'd pray out to God, ask Him to forgive us, and that was a routine for us every weekend for a lot of years. That's just what we did. We'd, be, we'd drink, we'd beg God to forgive us, we'd drink again, beg, it was on and on and on. Uh, so, but one day, something happened to Josh, and it was like a light bulb went off, and he completely changed. Me and Carson, this is back when the meth epidemic kind of swooped through the nation. Uh, again, I'm a six-time convicted meth cook, and uh, Carson, he's got a lot of charges as well. Carson was the very first resident to go into Hope Center in 2007 when the doors opened. I went to prison for five years. Uh, I was just too much of a knucklehead. But uh, when I got out, uh, Carson was there waiting on me. Uh, he was always writing me letters, sending me CR books in prison, telling me about the program. You know, but uh, prison was what I needed because I met this guy named Jesus, and it absolutely wrecked my life. And uh, when uh, I got out, they were there waiting on me. I started working uh, for the Hope Center, splitting wood at the bottom of the hill. Uh, I got $50 a week, and I was tickled to death to get it. You know, that's, that's just what we had back then. And that's how we made money. We sold firewood. That's awesome. And today, you know, we have 52 locations. Um, so we've got some things to share with everybody, some developments, if you will. Uh, once you tell us about what's kind of happened over the last several weeks and kind of what we're looking at here in the next few weeks. So we did find a house uh, here in Ashland City, um, beautiful home. It's going to be a great Hope Center, but there are some hurdles we got to go through. We do have to go through the Board of Zoning and Appeals on this property, and that's always a tough battle. Uh, you know, there, there's always people that show up that don't want us here, that don't believe in what we do, they, they don't believe in Christ. You know, the devil's pulling those strings. It's, it's, you know, it's not that person, it's the devil behind the scenes pulling the strings. Uh, so one of the big things we need is March 25th. We're going, we'll be at the courthouse for the Board of Zoning and Appeals. I need you to show up. Uh, again, I'll fight this battle to the day I die, but I do need your help on this one. I need, we need all of you to show up that day. Show the community that we're tired of being number one for drug overdose deaths. We're tired of our kids 
being exposed to this kind of life. We're tired of our family members, our neighbors dying. We got to show up in full force and let the community know that even if there are two or three protesters, hey, we don't care. We want to put an end to this. We want to bring things in here that's going to help this community. We want to be a, a resource for our community. This is, we're not the enemy. And that's what we need to make sure everybody knows when we show up that day, is that this is something we want in this community. We want to fight for our brothers, our sisters, our loved ones. We want to fight for the kids we went to school with. We want to fight for all of these people. And we can do that with a Hope Center. We'll have 30-something beds at this location. That's 30 people that we can take that are struggling in this community, and we can give them hope. We can give their families hope, and we can make sure that they have a future right here. Um, you know, this is the kind of thing that, every, you know, a lot of people like the sound of it, but then when they hear it's going to move in next door to them, it's a little different, right? Uh, one of the things that I think is important for us to know, for our congregation to know, as you talk to people in the community, uh, is that this isn't a halfway house. This isn't somewhere that, you know, if they want to get out, they're going to escape in the middle of the night, you know, and like cross the river and all these, you know, it's, it's not Alcatraz, Okay. Uh, if if they want to leave, like uh, the folks the folks in the in the Hope Center going through the program, they want to be there, and if they don't want to be there, they come and say, "I don't want to be here," and they call them they call them a ride or they take them home or they you know whatever, uh, you know it's it's not it doesn't have to be some secretive thing. Uh, I know that you guys had, had experienced a little bit of this when you did when you started the Springfield House, uh, it's Greenbrier House technically I know. Uh, but, uh, you know, all the neighbors around that house, uh, you know, were kind of up in arms. And then now, today, fast forward to the future, all of those same neighbors are, have been in some way involved in the Hope Center. Yeah, so it's a funny story. The night of that zoning board meeting, man, they cussed me out. One guy hit me with a door. It was rough. That's why I need all y'all to show up. <laughs> <laughs> That's over in Robertson County, too. This is Cheetah. Yeah, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> So, uh, but it was rough, but yeah, uh, all of those guys. Now, one guy, our biggest neighbor, Matt, he comes and teaches Bible studies. He's been down there. He's led worship with us. Uh, one of our neighbors is a drummer for Jamie Johnson. Uh, he actually paid for guys to come into the program now. Uh, another neighbor, we go down to his church, and we've seen baptisms there uh, from our neighbor getting baptized. You know, so it's really just they love us now. It's, it's not what people think it is, you know. And, and I get it. When you think about Hope Center coming in, you're thinking of prison or jail or something like that. It's, it's the, that's the furthest thing from the truth. You know, most of these neighbors will never even know we're there. You know, we don't put signs up or anything like that. We just, we want to be good neighbors. We'll even mow your yard if you want us to. I might move in next door just for that. <laughs> um, tell us real quick. Let's assume everything goes uh, smoothly with the zoning and all that and moving forward, uh, you will immediately, they, they take houses as they are and then they transform them into what they need them to be. Uh, they'll do things like take a garage and turn it into like a bunkhouse and, you know, things like that. Um, and so uh, what are some immediate things I know, I know that you shared with me uh, that are things that you're going to need help with if that happens? Yeah, so when that happens. Yeah, uh, upon uh, closing on the house, we're going to immediately start working on it. Uh, you know, when you imagine having 30 people in the house, I mean, you got to have a lot of bathrooms. So we're going to do a full scale bathroom remodel, add about four or five more showers, toilets, sinks. Uh, you got to have three or four uh, washers and dryers. So we got to do some electrical work. Uh, we do have some neighbors, and just to be a great neighbor, I'm going to put up a huge fence on both sides of the property so they don't have to look at us, we don't have to look at them. 
you know, they'll still have that, pro that, that peace and that privacy. So if anybody knows how to do any of that, we, we need your help. So please you, you contact us. And yeah, so you mentioned the fence work, about 400-foot of fence yes. that you're going to have to put up, uh, that you needed some help with some electrical. Yes. Um, plumbing. I don't know if we know any good plumbers or not yeah. around here, but uh, <laughs> I think they've already been talking about that. Yeah. I, I roped JR into this a long time ago. Um, uh, some bobcat work. Yes. Uh, for somebody that might have access to a bobcat or own one, you've got a above-ground swimming pool to remove, right? Yes. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of things, and then, you know, gussying up the house, I'm sure, and some of that kind of stuff, too. Um, talk to me uh, just a little bit about uh, what else other people can do, not just for getting the house ready, but long-term. What are we looking at that people can be doing, like what we've been seeing with these guys on the video? Yeah, so our goal is to have uh, one mentor, uh, per resident to counsel, to hang out with, to teach the gospel to them. Uh, you know, we need, a, we need a, a lot of volunteers. And I've got two guys in the back back here, Michael Himes and Chad Barbie. You guys will stand up. After service, if you got any questions, please holler at these guys. Chad is actually moving his family up here with me, and we're going to run this Hope Center. He's the regional recovery pastor here in Tennessee. But uh, we need a lot of volunteers. Uh, if you can give one hour a day to change somebody's life per week, would you do it? Uh, it's just one hour coming and hanging out and talking to them about Jesus, man. It really is the, the greatest calling in the world. So we need men to step up yes. and say, I'll be that guy for a guy while he's going through the program. Yes. Right. Um, if you are interested in that, you feel God tugging on your heart about that, go see one of those guys before this is over with. Um, they'll, they'll help get, get you hooked up for that. Um, I want to mention... Um, we had, uh, I had asked uh, one of our guys who's on with the sheriff's department uh, here at 24 if uh, we could get a lunch with the sheriff. And so uh, he, he helped make that happen. And, and, we, and I had that lunch this past Monday. It was, I don't know, probably an hour and a half before the lunch. And I thought to myself, what am I doing? Why have I not inv invited Stephen to come to this lunch? And so I, I messaged Stephen. I was like, hey, uh, I'm, with, I'm having lunch with the sheriff in a little bit. You want to join me? And he's like, I'm changing my plans right now. And so we, we went and uh, had some chips and salsa and, and shared, uh, you know, what God's been doing in our church, but also with what's happening with the Hope Center uh, here in Cheatham County uh, with these guys. There was the, the conversation, I, I felt like at the beginning, and this is, I'm not knocking anybody when I'm saying this, I feel like, I'm sure you did too, I feel like that the beginning of that conversation, I felt like these guys feel like they've heard this before. Kind of a, kind of a it was kind of the, the, how I was getting, you know, and not in a bad way, but just, you know, kind of this, okay, you know, it's another one of these, you know, kind of deal. And then, and the guy that's over the narcotics uh, for Cheatham County, uh, he spoke up and he said, he said to us, he said, guys, uh, here's, here's the struggle. Here's the problem, and I think this is very telling of our community. He said, when we go into a lot of these situations and we get ready to try to help somebody that is struggling with addiction, and let's say they even want help, he's, they said, he said, the problem is, is that most of these folks are just absolutely dirt poor, so poor that they have no insurance. And so they don't have the insurance to pay for some sort of rehab or something like that. And so... We don't, we, you know, they can't, they can't afford it. They can't do it. Even if we connected you, we couldn't do it. And then Stephen looked at him and said, we don't take insurance. And they said, 
oh gosh, well, how much is the program cost then? You know, because I know that they're thinking, oh, it's going to be $10,000, $15,000 or something. And, and he says, uh, $700 one-time fee to put a guy in. And they all looked at each other. Like, I, I watched dudes stop eating and start looking at each other like, what? And the conversation completely changed at that point. I saw our sheriff get emotional so just being and, and was being just very transparent and honest about how hopeless things have felt with trying to help with the epidemic that's going on in our county. And, and his words were, I haven't been this excited about something in a really long time. Uh, I mean, just completely changed the conversation. Um, I'm telling you, God is doing something really special here. Can I say something there? Yeah, absolutely. So I hadn't caught a charge since 2007. And I thought we were just meeting the sheriff. And when I came in and sat down, all of a sudden, you know, seven, eight cops come and sit around me. <laughs> I, I hadn't been in trouble a long time, but I tell you, I started sweating. <laughs> I thought, oh, gosh, what have I done? I was twitching in my chair. I saw when I'm over, like, running your, running your rap Well, sheet. they don't want to do that. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Hope Center is a, is a hand up, not a handout. Uh, if I, you know, part of our VT, the vocational training aspect of the program, if I've got every one of us, we have to get up and go to work every single day of our life. It's what we do. It's how we pay for our bills. It's how we support our families. If I've got to do that, every one of these men are going to do it as well. Because that's what men do. And that's what we're doing. We're teaching them to be men of God in the Hope Center. And men of God, we get up, we go to work every day, we take care of our responsibilities, we take care of our families, and we pay our bills. And that's what these men are going to do, and that's what they're going to learn to do. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for your willingness to share with us today. Um, I want to take a second and pray. Can we do that? Uh, I've got several things I want us to pray over. And uh, I feel like this is a, as good a time as any for us to do that. Let's, let's pray together now. God, uh, we come to you right now, and God, we're asking, Lord, for you to bless uh, this ministry, that it would be something that glorifies you in every way, shape, or form. Um, God, I, I pray that you would use it. Use it for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that it would bring people not just out of struggle, but I pray that it would bring people to you, to trust in you as their Savior. God, I pray for anyone right now, Lord, that hasn't trusted in you to be their Savior. God, I pray, Lord, that you would work in their heart and that you would help just, just speak to their heart the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for them. Lord, that you sent him to die, to rise again, Lord, for all of us. Lord, to, to be saved, to be forgiven. God, I pray over the families that are going to be represented in the men that are going to be going through this program in the days ahead. God, I pray for us as a church as we do what we can our best to minister and love on them. God, I pray for us as a church and as a people, God, that we would remember our call is to the least of these in all walks of life with all kinds of struggles. God, I pray that you would help us not forget that, but also help us be faithful in following through with that. God, thank you so much for your calling on our lives. Lord, help us. Help us to follow you. Help us to follow you. May you be glorified in us. We ask all this in your son's name.